This week, we're taking the train to Portugal. And of course, you know this isn't some regular train ride. We're talking about creepy Portugal. Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, where, of course, we bring the dark to light. Of course, we, we, we like to make fun of and joke about creepy things, you know, the mysterious stuff out there, while bringing you as much inf- information on each topic as possible. And of course, we are a comedy podcast, or you know, we, 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 we try to say, right? <laughs> and stuff can get dark. Listen, so if you're not into that, we understand, but if you are... We're so glad that you're here, all right? I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me, of course, is the one and only Harry Sumbitch himself. It's Mr. Moody. That's right, buddy. That's right. How's it going? It's going. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. It's, uh, you know. Yeah. Just doing my thing. Good. So normally, you know, we do, we talk about our Patreon, which Patreon, please get over there and support us on Patreon. Uh, your hard earned money goes towards uh, bonuses that we do all the time for you. That's a little bit more like off kilter. We can kind yeah. of relax and do whatever yeah. we want there. And uh, like uh, last week's, uh, Moody decided he wanted to introduce us to uh, the strange... Um, cryptids of the world yeah some folk uh some folktale creatures and some random things that we found which is super cool yeah it was fun i learned a lot did you i also played some awesome brutally heavy <laughs> music <laughs> which i could do yeah. over there was that the russian guys okay yes yeah oh baba yaga yeah that's right yeah. Baba yoga i can't even do that it's so yeah, low so yeah now normally we just skip right to it and we get start getting our stuff moving here right but i wanted to talk about something first and foremost if you're new here um Awesome. Thank you for listening. Um, for all of our other listeners that have been a part of this whole thing, um, we've got a pretty big milestone. Well, two milestones that actually two. are happening. First of all, um, yeah. our third year anniversary is coming up next week. In fact, it's uh, this Sunday coming up, but so we'll post the next week's episode. So next week's episode will be our for our three-year three anniversary. Year anniversary. Right. right, right. Which is awesome. So we've been doing this now for three freaking years yeah it's insane it's i have never committed to anything that long neither have i aside from my wife of course same samesies yeah yeah it's it's pretty cool so thank you all so much for being a part of that and especially for the other thing we just hit a hundred thousand downloads now over a hundred thousand downloads which in the world of podcasting i don't know the the big ones like they probably do that like in a week yeah you know what i mean but we for us though we've done it completely organically with no like corporate homegrown baby anything and it's literally you guys telling people about it or yeah. maybe mentioning it or playing it and freaking somebody out whatever the case may be and i just I, I from the bottom of my heart thank you and hopefully we can keep it going so tell tell more people let's get this thing huge let's yeah. get it so big we want to get to 100,001 That's right. downloads, guys. By tomorrow. <laughs> right. So anyway, it's, thank you for not, that. It's not going to happen. So there are a couple of little <laughs> things I just kind of want to do real fast, and, and we'll, we'll get into it. Um, um, first of all, I, I got introduced to a new podcast, and I think I mentioned not too long ago. 
Um, they're I called I Morbid. Don't, I don't listen to you. Okay, well, they're called Morbid. They're, oh, you okay? Yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. a new podcast. No, they've been means. around for a while. They've been right? around for a very long time. Is that the one that's uh, a couple of a couple of ladies? It is uh, two. Yes, two two young ladies. Okay, uh, one being a. Uh, I believe she's a mortician or a uh, noise, an autopsy technician, I okay. think, or something like that. Okay. So anyway, I so I went all the way back to the beginning of their stuff because everyone's like, you got to listen to them. Right. So I listened to the very first episode on where they had bad microphones, and they're like huge now. Yeah, no, absolutely. But as I'm listening to them, all I'm thinking to myself is, boy, I wish I would have listened to them before I started this podcast. Really? Because they are, they are two women doing what we do. Almost identically. Really? The the topics they pick, the way they banter back and forth, the way they uh, they they talk about their their subjects. And so stuff what you're like telling that. me is they're two of the coolest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they seem to be awesome, and I sent them an email like I was nice. saying something like you know holy crap I can't, I'm blown away that you know I had never listened to your podcast before, but yet you you st- you're literally like us but females and probably better. Well, well I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's all subjective I, I would say they are pretty they're pretty awesome awesome that's they're good. very thorough and I, again i'm in the i, I think i hear what you said <laughs> what the fuck was that what was that and my watch thought it said uh si oh yeah oh because you yeah. said sorry yeah. yeah yeah shut up watch anyway <laughs> so it's really cool and um it, i just thought awesome, it was dude. just crazy how like they're so so I'll anyone out there that's a that's a listener of, of morbid and i know a lot of our, our listeners actually do yeah if you guys like talk it. to any of them over there um i think it's it's ash and i can't remember the other girl's name i like it already woman woman's name sorry um uh, just tell them that uh you know we said hi and that we're like fans we're fanboy i definitely gotta check it out now yeah it's it's really cool i've been seeing it that they, like when you ask a question about other podcasts like everybody put that it was there. like morbid was like everyone yeah. that's why i was like i guess i gotta check this out yeah so anyway, and then um, I know this is kind of a long-winded hit. And then yeah, shut up. something that really irked me this week. Oh, no. Uh, and it happened. Okay. It, it's happened for a couple weeks now. There is a podcast that you and I both listen to. Okay. That we are both very big fans of. Okay. That have recently decided to do a smaller version of their show on Fridays. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Well, um, so because they call it a, a um, like the, the Express because it's a shorter version right. of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they started saying choo-choo motherfucker at the end of it. Really? Yeah, dude. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, you motherfuckers. Really? Like, you're so huge, and you're taking my tagline? <laughs> oh, man. I was, I was like, livid about it. I was like, I wonder if I could do something about this. But I'm not going to be petty. I mean, it's whatever. It's cool. It'd be you nice. Gotta, you got to say something, though. You got to go on, like, you got to be like, uh, you know. Yeah. Hey, but, but, I mean, they're huge. It, yeah. They've been around since, like. Well, no, I'm saying you got to make it, like, look, man. Like, we've been using this for three years. Awesome, dude. Like, fucking. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I guess I could do that. And But every time I, I talk to those guys, they kind of just blow me off anyway yeah. you know i'm just a small little podcast host we are we are we're, we're, we're insignificant i'm not small i'm a large man you you are a you're you're a hefty man i'm i'm i you know i was the kid that i used to have to shop in the husky section did you see that someone was posting uh, online whatever and they said about the batman signal and, no. Yeah, they said uh, that uh, is is online now. When I go moody, every time someone gives a suggestion, they're like, "Oh, that's like your bat signal, oh. or whatever." <laughs> I didn't see that. And I said, "I was commission. It's commissioner instead of Batman and Commissioner Gordon. It's Commissioner Garblemouth and Fat Man." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen, let's get Very into nice. this. Sorry, it's a little long winded. I'm extremely proud of the accomplishments that we've uh, you know achieved here. So thank you all for doing that, and let's just keep taking this thing 
to yeah, the next but. level, man. I want to keep going with it and keep, keep, keep going. So anyway, insane. We're going to save the rest of it. Let's turn down the lights. What are we doing here anyways? Let's adjust our seats. Let's really? grab a drink. I feel like we've done this before. And let's get <laughs> spooky. Yeah. But first, here's a toast, all you beautiful motherfuckers. Glow sticks? Yeah. We should have glow sticks. Brave a little yeah. Take a couple of hits of ecstasy. I don't think I'll go that far. <laughs> <Pew>. <laughs> oh man, I'm uh, I don't need ecstasy. I actually uh, just got prescribed from my psychiatrist something awesome. Remember, mental health is important. Don't be afraid yeah, or ashamed to absolutely. go get your shit checked out, folks. What, uh, what are you on now? Um it, it's. I don't want to say it on the air. Oh, yeah, really? I don't want to say it, but I'm that good, huh? No, I'm digging it so I'm far. I am. I'm digging it so far. Yeah, I am. It's is it helping? Me, yeah, it's keeping me kind of. I know you've been kind of like on and off of that stuff. And let's just say it's keeping me really focused. Oh, yes. It's all right. This week we're taking PCP. the train, huh? PCP. <laughs> it's P- yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for telling everyone. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we're taking a train across the pond for another creepy adventure. Of course we are. That's right. We are doing one of our creepy episodes, and it's been a while. So we figured it was time, right? Yeah, it has been a while. This week, we are headed to what some people say is one of the top scariest countries in the world, which is pretty awesome, and it deserves a... Not only that, uh, we do know that we have uh, some amazing listeners from Portugal. So that's awesome. And thank yes. you, Portuguese we've listeners. Been, uh, we've been on their charts for some time now. It's All been right. Amazing. We're charting. They kind of popped up out of nowhere, and we've stayed pretty steady. It's because they're awesome. We were in the top 10 for quite a while, and we haven't dipped below like 45, I don't think. They have taste. Well, yeah. There's probably only 44 podcasts. <laughs> hey. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, but thank whatever, you guys dude. for we're listening. Ch- we made it. Yeah. Hey, I'm happy. <laughs> So uh, this week, we're headed to, to Creepy Portugal, like I said, and we're going to try our best to find the uh, the coolest, creepiest places for everyone out there. And I'm just going to assume that there's going to be uh, a bridge someplace, right? Is there? I'm sure there's a bridge somewhere. All right, so look. Oh, boy. Because you know when we do the creepy episodes, there's got to be at least one bridge, especially I, in I Texas. Did, I, I wrote something about this at the very end of the episode, but since you brought it up, I'm just going to come out with it right now. I looked. You couldn't find a bridge? So <laughs> hard. I was looking up until like yesterday, like last night, and I couldn't. I could not find anything about a haunted bridge or anything in Portugal. But there's fucking gotta be. Well, how about this? Our Portuguese listeners. I, that's and that's what I put out okay, there. Okay, all right. I put out there at the end. Yeah, so. we'll see if they can uh, send us something. So without further ado, let's rock and fucking roll, man. So first up, we're gonna do a little history lesson. You know, you know how we do it. We'll keep it somewhat, uh, you know, sweet and short. And uh, if we get, uh, you know, the complete history of a country of the age of Portugal, it would be an entire episode because uh, probably been there prob- for a minute, probably right? Probably more. Yeah. To get uh, their history here of this country, we want to uh, went to the source, which is Portugal.com. So you guys get over there and check out Portugal.com. And an article written by uh, Gian- Giancarlo Costa. I just put his name in there so you had to say it. Yeah, I'd say No, I'm going to love this one, though. Plus, I wanted to give You know, you got to give him credit. Yeah, you gotta yeah. Give, you know, I found it was a good article. It's a great article on the history of Portugal. Yeah. And it was a nice... Uh, dude, I don't... This fucking thing. 
It's because, he's over here dude, fighting with his mic, and that's a brand new mic stand. Too. No, it's fine. The mic stand. I just I move around a lot. Yeah. So I'm always adjusting. That's all. Well, you have a lot of weight to distribute. Well, that and I just I I get uncomfortable sitting in a chair for excessive periods of time. I can't wait for somebody to like yeah to be upset about like me giving you like shaming you. I don't care. <laughs> like like it, it's a the joke. Funny thing is, it's like I'm not even like big and fat he tells me yeah you're not at all he tells me oh, i'm ugly some, some and i'm not i'm extremely well, handsome yeah i mean you know what i mean so it's just one of those no, things I don't know what you mean, yes you do no. you'd kiss me if i was a girl anyway so <laughs> what do you mean if you were a girl <laughs> so the history of portugal starts many ages ago when the so-called um I, is it iberian sure yeah tribes inhabited yes. the territory of today's portugal then in the beginning of the first millennium bc celtic tribes invaded and intermarried with the local iberians creating what is now known as the Oh, Kel- Celtiberians? Celtibia- Kel- sir, sure. That's clever. You just t- take the two words and put them together. <laughs> hey, uh, so you're Celtic. Yeah. And I'm Iberian. Correct. How about Icic? I- Ibeltic? <laughs> I be- I- 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 no. So it's uh, Celt- uh, Celt- Celtiberians. Yeah, there you go. I yeah. got it. I got it that time. Yeah, yeah. Now, the. Uh, Lusitanians, who inhabited the interior region of Portugal since the Iron Age, are considered the forefathers of the Portuguese nation. This is why today we have names like the Lusophone, someone who speaks Portuguese, or Luso-American, a Portuguese-American person. Very nice. Which is awesome. I did not okay, know that. Okay, I didn't know that either. I did not know that. That's why we do this. Correct. We are teaching people. Correct. Even if you're not listening, we are, right? I'm not. Oh, damn it. Fine. They were... Uh, <laughs> They were norm- known for successfully fending off the Roman armies until the death of their leader, uh, Viriathus, known as a hero in Portugal. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Viriathus. I wish I was a hero in Portugal. I mean, you might be. That's true. Yeah. People might like me there. Can I have a statue? <laughs> Just you in like a, a tunic? Dude, if I ever, if, if <laughs> for some fucking ungodly reason, anyone ever decided to erect a statue of me... Now, can you imagine how amazing that would be? That'd be amazing. Could you imagine a statue of me somewhere? That'd be awesome. Like we should should get a statue made and just put it somewhere randomly and see like <laughs> how long it takes for someone to take it down. Just put it somewhere Remove completely it? random yeah, though, you know? Yeah. Like downtown Cleveland. Just somewhere right on in, a street corner downtown. Right in the square somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> People driving around like, why is that big Look, bearded there's, dude? There's Moses Cleveland, the guy who found Cleveland. There's the blah 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 blah. And I have no fucking idea who that guy is. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> so the tribe was considered a worthy adversary by the Romans, so much so that they named the province of the whole territory of modern Portugal south of the Douro River and part of western Spain after them. Okay. Pretty sweet. Yeah. The Romans left various works such as baths, temples, bridges. And there's a bridge right there. See? Yeah, but it's not haunted. Oh, well. At least not that I know I, of. It could be. An old Roman bridge. An old wooden ship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's an always, old, old yeah. Roman bridge, <laughs> uh, along with roads, theaters, and statues. <laughs> and some of them are still found in different parts of the country, which is crazy. This lasted until the barbarian invasion, when uh, Germanic tribes migrated to various parts of the Roman Empire. In Portugal, the territory became controlled by the Germanic uh, in the fifth century. Oh boy, the kingdom of the Subi controlled <laughs> uh, Galicia. And the north and uh, north and center of Portugal, while the oh, Visigothic Kingdom controlled the rest of the Iberian Peninsula, including the rest of Portugal, until eventually conquering the Subi and, consequently, the whole of Iberia. Okay, okay. Yeah, you got all that? Yes, I do. All right. 
This is when the rigid class structure appeared in the country with a nobility and clergy getting more and more political and with, you know, with social power, of course. That's how it goes. Oh, yeah. That's how it always goes. <laughs> in the 8th century, the Islamic uh, Umay- uh, Umayyad. Oh. Right? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I, like, I like when you say it like I fucking know. Uh, Islamic Umayyad I, I Salafate? write it. Salafate? I write it. Right. You read it. Right, right. Thank I don't you. have to pronounce it. <laughs> well, they invaded the Iberian Peninsula from uh, the north of Africa. Oh, okay. Al- uh, um, Andalus, the Islamic name for the peninsula, became part of the uh, Salafate or Caliphate. It's a, I don't know if it's as hard as I'll see. Probably. Sorry, folks. <laughs> hey. Hey. And Portugal with it. I think it's a K sound. K? I think right. it's Caliphate. All right. Uh, the Portuguese kept lots of things from their Muslim past, like many other words, architecture, and famous uh, See, had no azulejos. I, I had no idea about that either. I had no idea either. I didn't know that they were found. I like, didn't realize that there was that much Muslim influence yeah, in Portugal. No idea. The Christians held on in the uh, the north of the peninsula, creating the kingdom of the Asturias. Mm. This was until the <laughs> Reconquista, ah. when they reconquered the lands from the Moors, um, the Muslims. All right. Okay. So the Moors. Yeah. You know the more. Okay. Yeah. In this kingdom, at the end of the ninth century, a uh, county based in the now north of Portugal was established, the county of Portugal. The county grew in power, and at the end of the 11th century, a uh, <laughs> Burgundian knight named Henry, which doesn't seem as cool of a name as the other guy. I am the great Burgundian knight, Henry. <laughs> What's your name? He- Henry. Seriously? You can call me Hank. <laughs> <laughs> who was fighting in the Reconquista <laughs> when uh, was crowned as Count of Portugal and merged it with the county of Coimbra. Oh, Coimbra. Count, Count Hank. Count Hank. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Henry's son, Afonso Henriques. Now that's a name. That's a good name. That's, that's a fucking name. It rolls off the tongue. That's, I like that. that's a Burgundian knight, yeah, Alfonso a, whatever. Uh, Afonso Henriques. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was probably attractive, too. It sounds like it, right? Well, he proclaimed himself king of Portugal in 1139 oh. with, um, oh boy, Guimarães as its capital. Okay. This city remains known un- until this day as the cradle of the nation by the Portuguese. Oh, very nice. All right. So that's, uh, hopefully I didn't just destroy that name, but you it looks like Guimarães. If anyone's listening in Portugal, just, you can, you can make fun of John. Just get on a web. Please just do. get on Facebook. Yeah. Get in our group and just relentlessly make fun of John. Yes, because I'm an idiot. And that's one hundred percent okay. Listen, the first step is uh <laughs> We have a Facebook group just for this. Yes, it's absolutely. literally to make fun of me and, and John. Yeah, so that's make it. sure you join our face group and join in on the fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. as I sit and, cry. and chainsaw. We make fun of chainsaw too. Well yeah, everybody does. However, it was only in eleven seventy nine that a papal bull Papal. Uh, uh, what? Papal. What papal? <laughs> Ah, sorry. <laughs> that a papal bull officially recognized Afonso the first as king. The Reconquista continued with the Algarve, the south of the country, finally being conquered in 1249, and Lisbon being coming the capital in 1255. That's so old. It's been the capital since 1255. That's what it says. Jesus Christ. Aye. Since then, Portugal's <laughs> since then Portugal's land borders have uh, the land borders have remained almost unchanged, uh, being considered huh. one of the longest standing borders in Europe. That's fucking nuts. That man. is insane. People don't fuck with Portugal, I guess. I guess not. You shouldn't. Why should you? Why they're, would you? They're beautiful people. I mean, they're well. You got to think, man. They're at the end of the peninsula, so mm-hmm. they've got water on three sides of them. 
Right. So it's easier to defend. You got one border to defend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which would make it very easy, especially back in the day when there wasn't a lot of ship warfare, right? Yeah. In like the 1300s and shit. So like, it's, you know, you're, you, someone's invading you. It's like, well, just fucking send everybody to the border. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, you just send them all that way. Yeah. There's no boats. It's not like they're swimming up to try and fight you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Plus, they're probably badass people, too. I'm sure they are. Yeah. They've been around for that long. I'm sure they know. Except Henry. Do. He just doesn't sound tough. <laughs> oh, come on, Henry. You know, I his, don't know. His son doesn't fuck around, though. Yeah, that's true. So the Kingdom of Portugal remained very important in Europe's and especially Iberian politics, waging several wars against Spain, creating an alliance <laughs> with England, Ooh. the longest standing alliance in the world, lasting until, that's right, still today. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Fuck, man. I'm not, I can't even be friends with somebody for more than like a year. Yeah. Except for you. Yeah. You're, you're my friend. You know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it started uh, with the uh, the age of discovery. So that's what this whole thing did. It started that's the crazy, age of discovery. Dude. Yeah. In this age, the country built a vast empire, having territory all over the world from South America to Oceania. Oh. They started by exploring their coast and adventuring into the Moroccan coast, uh, hoping to continue the Reconquista to the north of Africa. Then the Portuguese sailors started to, uh, to adventure into the open sea when they discovered the islands of the Canaries, Madeira, Azores, and Cape Verde. Subsequently, the Portuguese explored the coast of Africa, setting trading ports, and tried to discover the maritime route to India, which they did in 1498. Oh, shit. Fuck you, Columbus. That's right. Under the explorer Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. I believe it's Vasco da Gama. Vasco. Hi. <laughs> I am the great conquistador. Vasco da Gama. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like a Minnesota yeah. accent. You, get back there with Henry. You both, yeah, no more. Oh, Vasco da Gama, huh? (laughs) They continued to explore and look for trade around the world from Africa, (laughs) passing through Arabia and reaching Japan, setting several outposts, many of them having developed into colonies later on. In 1500, they reached South America and started the colonization of Brazil. Yeah, there's a... Amazing. When I was doing the research, there was, um, because of this, there was tons and tons, like everything like... When I would find something about a uh, like a tale or whatever in Portugal, there was always a Brazilian version of that. You know what I mean? Because they were That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. They were they were connected. Yeah. They were interloped. Yes. Okay. Also, I was just thinking about this when you were talking about it. Right? Oh, did it did imagine it hurt? a little bit. Okay. Uh imagine like at that time at that time, like you're like, you know what? Let's fucking get out there and let's go see what the let's go see what the world has to offer, right? And like you're from Portugal. You've known nothing but those people for however many years, like whatever, you know, Spanish people in England. Well, so you know white people, basically, right? Yeah. And then, like, you're just like, we're going to head this way and see what we can find. And then, like, you get to Japan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, you have no idea what they're saying. You have no fucking clue what's going on. And, like, you're looking at these people just like, what the, what the fuck is going on over here? You know what makes me think, too? Um, like, that's got to be like it's like, crazy. It's it's, it's like, insane. It's, it's weird enough. Like if you were if you or I were to go to a different country that we've never been to, we didn't know a whole lot about. It's that you get that culture shock. You're like, what the fuck? And right? not get kicked out is what you're saying, <clears throat> right? I okay. mean, good luck. But yeah, yeah, but like, sorry, Ireland, I'm coming. <laughs> and that's and that's like, and that's like knowing what we know today. Like we're you know we're obviously. We can find out about stuff. Like, we know most countries, what they're about, kind of where they are, yeah. and, and, like, the people that are there. But, like, it would still be crazy for us to go there without really, you know, knowing the background of everything. Yeah. 
But, like, imagine that. Like, just, like, you have no fucking idea what's even out there. Like, you're sailing across the ocean. You're like, well, I assume we'll hit something eventually. Right. And then and then you land on this fucking continent or wherever, and it's just like, they're the exact fucking opposite of you. You have no idea what they're saying. You don't know how they live. You don't know what... They're, like, eating weird foods. They're doing weird shit. Like, the climate's completely different. The plants are completely... Di- like, it is literally another world, Right. Right, and you have no fucking idea what's over there, and you just show up there one day. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's scary, but but that's how like it all. Talk about how they ended up in Japan yeah, and like that's, South America, and and, and and to be honest too, like that's just fucking. To crazy me, thing. it's it's baffling more so I mean, that it's cool. like is it's crazy. Is Portugal's not like a huge country though, right? A pretty good size. Is it pretty good size in in comparison to say who? Mm-hmm. Like the U.S. I mean, like, are you talking like land-wise? Yeah. Uh, I honestly have no idea. I've never really compared. I, I could look real quick. I'm just thinking because back it's then. A but pretty, they, they're a pretty good-sized country, but though. But they were really. also established so long ago yeah. that they were leaps ahead of everybody else. Uh, side note. So I was listening to, uh, of course, a podcast because that's all I do. And um, have you ever heard of a guy named John Allen, uh, John Allen Cho or Chow? Mm, name okay, sounds. Do familiar? you remember way back in the day when a guy supposedly went to like this cannibalistic um, island or whatever, and they ended up never finding his body, or they they ate him and killed him, or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah. This guy, he was a um, what do you call it? A, a preacher, I like guess. A missionary. Missionary. He went um, to this. Uh, let's see, uh, isolated, protected tribe, uh, whatever. Uh, North Sentinel Island. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. That's the one that, like, yeah, you get near it and they. Yeah, so um, so they they killed the guy, the, the pre- preacher, right? Yeah. Okay, this just happened in 2018. Yeah, because people are stupid. Like, what the? F- in 2018, why are we trying to do that? I don't know. That's the that's the island that like if you even get near it, they fucking start like planes fly over and they like shoot arrows at them and shit. Like they want nothing to fucking do, and people still try to go there. That's so dumb. And the guy's like, God will protect me, and he showed up and they fucking killed him. Yeah, I think they killed him before he even hit the the land. Yeah, they were like firing he was arrows in at him. like a boat or something, and yeah. they just fucked him up. They were on firing way. arrows at him. See, I thought that happened so long ago. Oh, that happened recently. That's insane. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the empire started to, to decline, however, when the Dutch, English, and French got into the game. But of course, the French, we like to fuck oh, everything the up. French. You see that? They make a good toast. Yes. And, f- and fries. Fries, yeah, yeah. And the kiss. Oh, that's a good one, eh? And the French dip is good as well. Is it French dip? Yes. Yes. I do like it. People in France are just like, God damn it. I know. Sorry, French listeners. <laughs> you motherfuckers. But what? I am French. It is fine. They yeah. started to surround or conquer the scattered Portuguese trading posts and territories, diminishing their power. In the Battle of um, ah, Alcacer Kibir, okay, in 1578, Portugal lost its king, becoming part of a dynastic union with Spain that lasted until 1640, when it finally gained its independence again. Okay? So, shit happens, and of course, oh, geez. Okay. Of course the English um, come in and fuck shit up. But Spain is about the size of Indiana. <laughs> Spain is? <laughs> or, uh, Portugal. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't Portugal think it was... Si- I thought it was bigger than that. No, it's a, that's Maybe what it I, just looks that way on maps. But that's my point, though, is the feats they accomplished being yeah. such a small country because i again I, I assumed they were a smaller country yeah portugal is roughly the roughly the size of indiana wow and if you're not from the states indiana isn't a very big state 
No. And we're definitely not making fun of Portugal or yourself. No, not at all. I more just, so I thought saying, it, I thought it was bigger than that. Though. Yeah, but more so saying like what you guys accomplished is, is just crazy. So after that, the country never became the great power it once was. It lost several colonies, including its largest one of Brazil, and trade routes. Um, it saw its capital being destroyed by an earthquake in 1755, and it was occupied during, of course, the Napoleonic Wars. That little shithead. He actually wasn't that short. I know everyone thinks he's like, you know, four foot tall or something. He was like basically normal size, five, six at the time. I, was, I think he was like five, six. Yeah. From then on, Portugal was a minor power in Europe, having just some colonies in Africa and Asia and never becoming an economic powerhouse. Then in 1910, due to corruption, dissatisfaction with the several kings and the loss of claimed African lands to the English, the monarchy ended and a republic was created. Fiercely secular to the point where it was anti-church. Oh my. It was just rifled with corruption, government instability, and near to bankruptcy. The regime came to an end with a military coup in 1926. Oh boy. A military dictator. Like a good military coup. That's right. right. A little uprising. Yeah. Always, right, always lights of fire. Hell yeah. A military dictatorship was installed and then a fascist-like regime, the Estado Nova, or oh. the New State, headed by Antonio de Oliveira Salazar. This period was marked by authoritarianism, lack of freedom, and from 1961 by the Portuguese uh, colonial war. All of this ended when, in April 25th of 1974, the Carnation Revolution happened. Carried out by the armed forces movement, the uh, oh, this is awesome, the uh, Movimento das Forças Armadas. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Or the MFA, a movement of young left-leaning captains of the Portuguese armed forces. That's awesome. With the re- uh, revolution, democratic um, with the revolution, democratic reforms were made, and the first free elections, where multiple parties happened, as well as the independence of all Portugal's of their all their colonies. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It also started the PREC. <laughs> I'm loving this episode yeah. so far. What do you got? The what is it? Proceso okay. uh, Revolucionario uh-huh. Em Curso, or the ongoing revolutionary process. And if I'm butchering your language, uh, listen, you, you listen to this show. You know what? You know I do that. Sorry. He is very sorry. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> yes. A period when come, uh, the conservative and left-leaning forces inside the MFA confronted each other, marked by political turmoil, violence, instability, and the nationalization and expropriation of private lands. It came to an end on the 25th of November 1975 when the MFA moderates appeared as the main force. Nevertheless, revolutionary achievements were not forgotten, with the Constitution pledging until this day to realize socialism as well as declaring extensive nationalizations and land seizures as irreversible. Many, however, have now been overturned. Okay? So that's, that's there. So yeah. nowadays, Portugal is one of 15 of the uh, 15 most sustainable states in the world and considered the third most peaceful. That's amazing. That's great, dude. God, I might move to Portugal, dude. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Why not? Sure. Is it warm there or is it like cold there? Uh, I think think they have a pretty temperate climate. Okay. Well, I'm down. Probably not much different from where we are. Well, I'm down. It has a high, uh, high, excuse me, high living standards and a good economy. It was a founding uh, member of DATO, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, or the OECD, the European Free Trade Association, and the community of Portuguese language countries. It entered the European European Economic Community, now the EU, in 1986, and is one of its fiercest supporters, even having produced a European Commission president. Damn! It's a temperate climate influenced by the Atlantic Ocean. All right. 
In the north, the climate is cool and rainy, while moving south, it becomes gradually warmer and sunnier. In the far south, the region of Algarve has a dry and sunny microclimate. In the interior, on the border with Spain, the climate is a bit more continental. In the north-central, there are also mountain ranges. In the highest, the Serra da Estrella. See? Not that easy, is it, fucker? I never said it was, but I I can make fun of you. Damn it. Uh, You could ski in the winter. Wow. In the summer, Portugal is protected by the Azores High, so it is usually sunny everywhere. However, a few weather fronts can still affect the northern part of the country. Wow. See, now you know. That's awesome. So yeah, that's so not too shabby. It sounds awesome to the me. The rainiest season is the winter. Oh. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Their uh, their average temperature in January is around 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Much nicer than here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's summer like, though? Summer, like- summer, the average temperature is around, in August, is 68 degrees. What? Yeah. Dude, I'm moving for sure. With that highs, sounds perfect. With highs around 77. Oh, my Jesus God. Christ, that sounds amazing. You guys have got it made. Oh, my God. That's amazing. In Lisbon, the average is a little higher where it averages 74. Oh. Still great. Yeah. Uh, with highs around 82. Still bearable. That's about what it was here today. Yeah, absolutely. God, Dude, I would love fucking, that. That sounds awesome. That sounds better. You guys, fucking Portugal's killing I know. Me. I love Portugal. Okay, so that's a brief, incredibly <laughs> brief mini history of Portugal because of how old and how amazing they are. Really, uh, you know, the, the takeaways are it's super old. Uh, plenty of things happen to make the place creepy over that many years, right? That's where yeah. we're getting at. So yeah, obviously, yeah. if it's that old. Absolutely. So let's now dive in to see what kind of creepy stuff. Just really quick. Oh, the, boy. The uh, minimum, minimum average temperature uh, in throughout the whole year, this is from 1991 to 2020, the lowest that it averages is 43, 43 degrees Fahrenheit is about the coldest it That's gets. That's the lowest. Is about the coldest it gets. Yeah. That's crazy. That's called spring here. I know. <laughs> that was last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what better way to start here than with a sanatorium? Okay. Sanatorium. So real quick, I just want to uh, preface this by saying uh, I thought this was going to be relatively easy because the creepy episodes are usually super fun. And there's tons of information. I can find all kinds of good stuff. And this was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because there was not much in English. And everything that I had to find, for the most part, I had to translate. So some of the translations might be a bit skewed. Right. And I would find things and I would would try to look for more information on them. And there just wasn't as much as I was hoping there'd be information-wise. So I did the best I could. I tried to find some good sources. Most of them... I had to Google Translate and then try to figure out what the hell they were saying, even after it was translated, because, you know, translations don't always work very yeah, well. Yeah, it's usually very, it, it's very, like, concise. It doesn't really right. put in a certain... Right, yeah. it doesn't take context, usually. Right. So, I want to, if if anything in this is, like, really fucked up or way off, I apologize. All right. I did my best, and like we always say, if it's fucked up... Blame, blame the, internet. the internet. That's it. So, Valango Sanatorium is the one we're going to here. The construction of the Montalto Sanatorium began in 1932 due to the appearance of a large number of people who had contracted, of course, tuberculosis. Ah. God, it's like every time we talk about anything in the past, it's go. always TB. We can't TB. go a week without fucking yeah. talking about the uh, the consumption yeah. or the white death. <laughs> I got the consumption. Yeah. There was a need to expand the facilities, and these uh, expansion works were completed in 1958. 
Construction of these hospital units were carried out in high-altitude places due to the purity of the air. We've talked about that numerous times. And also because they were away from the populations to avoid the effects of contagion. We don't want to get people sick. Get them out of here. The sanitor... Well... We. <laughs> the sanatorium only operated for a short period, having been inaugurated in 1958 and closed in 1975, so not too long. Nope. After which it entered a profound state of disrepair. Yeah. Due to its dimensions, it is considered one of the most imposing buildings of its type in Portugal. It's fucking cool looking, by yeah. the way. Yeah. We've got to make sure to post it up I'll on have our to socials. Post pictures, yeah. yeah. Its building is large with an area of approximately 88,000 meters squared. Is that right? M2? If that's what it says. I guess that's what it is. That's M2 a, is meter squared, yeah. Yeah, that's that's big. 88,000 square meters? Whew. Yeah, well, my brain kind of hurts thinking about the <laughs> math on that, so I'm just going to assume it's big. <laughs> Having been built with a view of, you know, for housing uh, 300 different patients, the building was designed by the architect Jose Julio de Brito, who was also responsible for other prominent structures in the city of Porto. <laughs> and what, what is it? <laughs> 947,224 square feet. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than my house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's huge. That's a, that's a city block. Holy shit, that's big. Yeah, that's that's huge. So um, he was also responsible for the structures in uh, the city of Porto, such as the Caliso or the Teatro Rivoli. All right. The sanatorium complex, which occupied nine, hectare, nine hectares, also included a school, a laundry room. Hectares? Yeah, hectares. <laughs> You said Hector's. said Hector's. It's Hector's. Hector's. <laughs> Isn't that the king from before? That's Henry. Oh, Henry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> be amazing if it was. Oh, shit. And so it included a school, a laundry room, water reservoir, and a chapel dedicated to Our Lady of the Sick. The installation of the sanatorium in Valongo was part of a phase in the history of health in Portugal, during which the government undertook the construction of several specialized establishments to combat that dirty disease, tuberculosis. Tuberculosis? <laughs> tuberculosis. A disease, of course, that was ravaging everywhere at the time. This period began in 1899 with the foundation of the National Institute of Assistance to Tuberculosis, which began the construction of several sanatoriums in different parts of the national territory. In 1930, efforts against tuberculosis were uh, renewed in north of the country with the creation of the assistance to the tuberculosis of North... Oh my God, it's a long word. (laughs) The assistance to tuberculosis of northern Northern Portugal by Antonio Elicio Lopez Rodriguez. Jeez. Okay. I just love how they have all those amazing names. And at the time, planning began to build a sanatorium that would house the sick in that region who had lower economic resources. Serra de Santa Justa was chosen where the air was healthier, in addition to being isolated from urban centers in order to reduce the risk of contagion. What? I was just looking to get an idea of size. Yeah. I found this website that tells you how big square, like how much square feet is like in football fields. Yeah. That's uh, American football you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it'll tell you basketball courts, too, and hectares. Uh, So I I just put a 950,000 because it's right around 950,000 square feet. It is the (laughs) size equivalent of 16 and a half football fields, including the end zones. Jesus. Or 202 basketball courts. And this is a building? It's a building. My God. That, that's dude. That's bigger than like the Cleveland Clinic. That's fucking gigantic. Yeah, that's huge, 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 huge. <laughs> Shortly after, the Sa family donated a plot of land in Serra de Santo Justa 
Eusta, I'm going to say it's Eusta, allowing the construction of the building, whose works began in 1932. However, the works were suspended due to lack of funding, having been resumed due to the support of the local population. So the people around were like, we're going to help these guys. Yeah, man. Right. On July 5th of 1940, ATNP began building the Casa de Nosas Sinora da... Oh, my God. What was that? Oh. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Come on, medication. The Casa de Nosa Senora da Cansesa, Cansecao, Cansecao, right? I don't know. (laughs) To support the children of the sanatorium's patients. And again, please forgive me for this. I'm sorry. According to the Diario Popular of, uh, let's see, January 3rd of 1956, the finishing works and equipping of the sanatorium were already underway and it was expected to be completed during the following year and that it would have a capacity for 350 beds. Oh, very nice. But that size of a place with only 350 beds, they must have like their own. There's, well, you yeah, got to keep them apart from each other, right? Or do you? Because they have. They're all fucking dying. Yeah, you know, I don't well, know. Well, they're not dying necessarily. but Right. But they're sick. They're sick. Yes. However, the works were only completed in 1958. Another reason for the delay in the work may have been the opposition by the Compania das Minas de Seo Pedro de Cova <laughs> to the construction of the building. <sighs> Because this it was is the only reason I wanted to do. Oh this my gosh! Oh <laughs> uh, boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Okay, yeah. So th- it was being uh, installed inside an area destined for coal mining, a few kilometers away from the mines. Okay. okay. However, at the time of the sanatorium's inauguration, mining was already entered, entering its final phase, ending up closing in 1970. Some of the users of the hospital were the mine workers themselves, who suffered from occupational diseases such as tuberculosis and silicosis what the fuck is silicosis silico- is, is that black lung is that the old black lung i don't know silica silicosis maybe i don't I mean, know silicosis sounds like a great right. band like name silicosis silicosis so the sanatorium of monte alto was inaugurated on november 1st 1958 being the last one to be open in portugal the inauguration ceremony included a religious service at the chapel of nosa senora des infermas the unveiling of a commemorative tomb- tombstone. A, I, can, I can say those words better than I can say <laughs> English words. It's so stupid. <laughs> a tribute to the League of Combatants of the First World War and concluded with a port of honor offered by the board of directors of the sanatorium. Right? Right. Right. So, real quick, sorry. Aye. Silicosis. Yeah. It is a type of pulmonary fibrosis, a lung disease caused by breathing in tiny bits of silica, a common material found in sand, quartz, and many other types of rock. Silicosis mainly affects workers exposed to silica dust in jobs such as construction and mining. Oh, so it's like quartz mines, probably? It's not coal mines. Is it silica and coal? I didn't mention that. God, I found it sounds so stupid. I'm like, what's silica? Silicosis is not curable either. Ooh, that sucks. But it is preventable. Oh, <laughs> yeah? Wear a face mask? Is that what it is? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So during the ceremony, the admission and accommodation process of the first clients, all veterans of the First World War, were also carried out. Although it was planning for 300 patients, it initially its initial capacity was only 50 beds, and during its operation, it accommodated 350 people. All right? So this place was doing good. It was trying to do good. In the early 70s, there began to be greater control over the, uh, the TB disease, thank God, which began to be fought in a different way through the outpatient system. In this way, the sanatorium ceased to be useful and were progressively abandoned or underwent a process of re-adaptation for other purposes. Which we've discussed numerous times again. In the case of the Montalto Sanatorium, the closure process began in 1972 due to the low number of TB patients in the Porto District. 
At that time, the building already had only a few patients, having been thought of, you know, its adaptation as a psychiatric hospital or for the returnees from overseas, which it didn't go any further than that. Due to the process of closing the sanatorium, Casa Nossa Senora de Cansecao <laughs> ceased to function as a boarding school, starting to support only external students. The building was abandoned after the April 25th revolution when the last employee left, although it was only officially closed in 1975. Following its closure, it was completely looted. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. With a lot of the uh, the main reasons, you know, its connection to the Estado Nova, like people had taken all that as it was mostly yeah, built yeah, yeah. and used during that regime. So they were going in and taking stuff that, like, was, like, historically prominent. Yeah, which fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. Well, it's like when everyone was taking the uh, the seats shit. from the old stadium. Yeah, but that's a stadium. That's different. Yeah. It's not like a fucking historical, you know what I mean? Hey, you shut your mouth. I love baseball. I mean, for us it is. All right. But, like, that's not something that, like, people in Portugal are like, oh, they took seats from municipal stadium? <laughs> oh, my God. God. Those bastards! <laughs> this connection, of course, to the Estado Nova also had a negative impact on the collection of funds, making it impossible to carry out works on the building. It was also used as a training ground for uh, by firefighters and civil protection who performed drills there and destroyed some walls. Later, the sanatorium was used for paintball games. <laughs> That's it's amazing. Still, apparently, it still is. You can oh. go there and play paintball, yeah. Holy, really? Yeah. Dude, I want to go to Portugal and go to this place and play paintball. I know. It'd be awesome, dude. Oh, my God. It'd be so so fun. We're actually thinking about uh, starting up a little paintball league. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm in. I yeah. suck at paintball. I'll yeah. probably, I'm too big to play paintball. But We're also doing softball, too. So, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. We're Please talking about Please let me it. play softball yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to play softball. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? <laughs> please, please let me play with you. Oh, of course, dude, you're in. You're in. In I'm fact, it'd be such a it'd loser. be cool if we had some local uh, passengers that maybe wanted to get down Ooh. and play. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've got some listeners around here too. So I don't know. It'd be cool to set up a little meet and greet slash uh, softball game. Anyway, imagine. Okay, just real quick. Imagine playing paintball in there. Oh yes, he's showing me an actual <laughs> picture. You gotta I post told that you it up. Was fucking sweet looking. Yeah, post that to our Instagram. Yeah, I want I people will. to see that. I will. It's beautiful. Yeah, it'd it's be awesome, so man. much fun. But they also uh, people would go there for um, like photo shoots and stuff, mm -hmm. and as well as various ceremonies related to the supernatural, such as rituals, were also performed there. There's the good of stuff. Of course. The building was also hit by several fires, accentuating its degradation. History is awesome and fun, and you know we love it. But the reason we're here, of course, is for the creepiness. That looks amazing. I know, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks so cool. Like that looks like a movie set. Yeah. So the uh, there are stories abound, of course, of how haunted this place is. Given the numerous people who died there, it makes sense to us, of course. So, real quick about that, I was uh -oh. reading something. You know how it said there was three hundred fifty rooms or whatever it is. Yeah. Beds. I beds. Yeah. I was reading that. Like I read this thing, and I don't know how true it was, but uh, in one of the things I was reading that said that there was three hundred fifty patients there, and they all died. So I don't know. I don't know how true that is. So, or, so is it like a hospice maybe for TB patients? I don't know. But like your final place. The one thing I read said that all the 350 people that were there died. Holy so shit! So I don't. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. Because like I said, it was hard to find too much stuff on it. And we weren't there. I so, wasn't. Yeah. Uh, Chainsaw might have been. I don't know if he's ever been to Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. I, I maybe he was around then. Though. He was definitely around. Yeah. So, what kind of stuff are we talking about here, right? Well, let's take a look. But paranormal investigators have been spending time here for years when there's no paintball matches going on and uh, trying to you know find some crazy stuff going on. There have been numerous reports of strange noises and things moving around. 
There have been entities seen and apparitions spotted. It's hard to find much in English here, so finding pages from Portuguese websites and trying to find studies was tough. But, uh, you know, we managed to find one study where a group of friends were exploring the abandoned hospital and had some interesting things happen. They talked about how they started hearing strange noises while they were exploring. The noises seemed to be following them around the building. They talked about how they had a uh, heavy feeling around them as they explored. The sounds seemed to keep getting closer to them. They claimed that things started getting knocked over and moved on their own. At one point, one of the, uh, one of the group, uh, group members claimed they saw a shadowy figure seemingly watching them. At that point, they all decided it was time to get the fuck out. And uh sounds pretty fun to me, regardless if it was yeah. true or not. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I love how you put, can't go an episode without fucking tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So now the Teatro Lethes, okay? Yeah. The building that today is called Teatro Lethes began as a Jesuit college, the Colegio de Santiago Mayor, founded by the then bishop of um, the Algarve, D. Fernando Martins Mascaranas. <laughs> My God, I'm butchering that. I know him. Whose license was granted to them on February 8th of, ni- of 1599. Uh, for, I guess, you know, for whatever per- intents and purposes there, right? Okay. It, it was, of course, a religious nature. And the first university of the in the Algarve, as someone has uh, once called it as well. In 1759, the so- uh, so- ah, Society of Jesus was banned from the co- uh, country and its goods were confiscated. That's kind of messed up. Well... Jesus. The College of Santiago Santiago Mayor closed its doors with the occupation of uh, Napoleonic troops. Of course, we talked that earlier, too, when they came in. Commanded by General Junot, the premises of the former college were raided and desecrated in order to enlist the soldiers there. Years later, in 1843, the college was auctioned off by Dr. Lazaro Doglioni. What a cool name. <laughs> Lazaro Doglioni. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Pretty cool. Who had publicly... Better than John Sayer. Or Henry. (laughs) Who had publicly expressed his intention to build a theater in Faro similar to us. We're not making fun of your name's Henry either. We're just fucking around. So don't get mad if your name's Henry. No, you get it though. If your name's Henry, you get it. You know what I mean? You do. You get it. Fucking fucking Henry. Henry? No, it's actually a cool name. That's an old school name too. At least over here it is. Henry. Hank. (laughs) So the Latin inscription on the facade of the building, um, Monet Ablectando, uh, can be uh, translated as instructing playing. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, translated. Thus emphasizing the cultural concerns of the promoter of the construction of this concert hall. The inauguration of Teatro Lethes took place on April 4th, 1845, as part of the celebrations wow. for the birthday of Queen Maria II. Hey. Later in 1860, it was expanded by da, Dr. Justino Cumano, Nephew of Lazaro Doglione. Oh. On September 11th, 1898, the so-called anatomograph, oh my God, that word, anatomograph, was exhibited for the first time in Faro, um, installed in the Lethes Theater, as it is the largest and most distinguished cultural space in the city. Okay, what the hell is an uh, anatomograph? I, I have an, no an, idea. An, no, an, anatomograph? An anima... An, <laughs> How does it spell it? A-N-I-M-A-T-O-G-R-A-P-H. Anamatograph. An, 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 an Animatograph? An animatograph? animatograph? Yeah, there you go. That's better. I don't know. Anima, animatograph. I got an animatograph. Animatograph. <laughs> animatograph. <laughs> animatograph. <laughs> 
and a manogram. Let me see what that is. Whoa, Black Betty. And a manogram. Whoa, Black Betty. <laughs> <laughs> I have no Holy idea what that shit. is, but I really enjoy saying it in the, uh, hopefully the correct way. A-N-I-M-A-T-O-G-R-A-P-H. O-G-R-A-N-I-M-A-T-O-G-R-A-P-H. It looks like, a, a, I can't even tell you what it looks like. It looks like anamatograph is what it looks like. <laughs> what is it's it? A, oh, it's an early form of motion picture projector. So it's an early movie camera. <laughs> yes. It's Son an of anamatograph. a bitch. <laughs> Animatograph. Animatograph. Animantium. <laughs> Animatograph. <laughs> I'm going to have you guys all hey, do it. Hey, Henry, go get the animatograph. <laughs> animatograph. <laughs> you just hear, knock, knock, knock. Animatograph. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So it was restored between 1906 <laughs> and 1908 to improve acoustics and comfort. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, the decline of the shows and consequently of the hall. It began in uh, right around 1920 with the theater closing in 1925, having sold the property to the Portuguese Red Cross, in whose possession it still remains. It looks pretty nice now. Yeah. I got some, I'll put some, I'll be putting some pictures of that up too. So The Lethes Theater room was uh, later ceded by protocol to the Algarve Re- uh, Regional uh, Delegation of the Ministry of Culture. In the North Wing, restored and adapted in 1991, the regional services of the Ministry of Culture operated on October 5th, 2012, not too long ago, by protocol between the municipality of Faro and the Portuguese Red Cross, Teatro Letes recovered its initial design. Oh, so they like redid the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it looks, it's really like, here's, I'll just, well, since I'm putting it up right now, that's like the inside right there. Oh, that is gorgeous. Yeah, it's cool as fuck. What? Yeah. Animanograph. Animanograph. <laughs> the Algarve Theater Company, ACTA, was installed as a resident structure. The ACTA, in addition to presenting shows of its own creation, also promotes hospitality at the Lethes Theater and is also responsible for managing the equipment. All right, so this history was all actually taken from the theater's website, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I got it from their website. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful. There are a couple of stories about this place that, uh, you know, that are, that pretty much say that it's haunted, right? Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. The first is the story of a ballerina who was in love but was not loved back. Aww. She was so distraught that she hung herself in the middle of the stage. Oh, shit. Some versions say that she was driven to the brink by the demands of theater, li- theater life. <laughs> she got tired of the animanogram. <laughs> Some versions say that she was, you know, just just had it rough. The second is that of a soldier's body that was found inside one of the walls. Ugh. There isn't as much info on that story as the ballerina. Staff and visitors claim you can hear the ballerina's footsteps in the theater to this day. There are also reports of a shadowy figure moving about as well. Could this be the ballerina still performing for the people? Or the soldier patrolling the theater? Who knows? But uh, yeah, it looks like an absolutely gorgeous place to visit. And it's awesome that it's functional. To this day, you know what I mean? Like you can still yeah, yeah, you can yeah. actually go and like watch theater theater performances. I wonder if you could actually like go and watch movies on the Animanogram. <laughs> That'd be amazing. The next one on our list here is the Castellino of Sao Jao. Uh, is it Sao Yeo? Sao Yeo. I'm gonna say Sao Yeo. Right. Sao Yeo Estoril. I'm totally screwing it up. <laughs> I have to be. I love that you just look at me like I fucking know. I doubt myself a lot. I do. I doubt myself, and I should just go for it, man. Whatever you think. Even bro. if it's just done poorly. Animanograph. <laughs> Animanograph. <laughs> so the area between Estoril and uh, Cascais 
out on Lisbon's Atlantic coast is rife with buildings of character. Many of them are designed to give the impression of miniature castles. Indeed, some of them were fortified because they were built during times of instability with the Iberian Peninsula. In the 1980s, a wealthy socialite, Jose Costello Branco, was looking for such a property and found one that seemed ideal in Sal... Ah, I want to say Sal Yeo. Sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's J-A-O or J-O-A-O. Yao? Yao? Maybe, maybe uh, Sal Yao. Yeah, that makes sense. This is why you're here. You know that, right? Yeah. That's the. I mean, that to to look good. (laughs) The day you went to view the property was a beautiful sunny one, so he decided to walk along the cliff path with uh, which adjoined the uh, property. He was going around checking it out. It was walking back to the uh, the building. He saw a young girl. She didn't speak, but simply stared at him. In his own account of the events of that day, Mr. Castello Branco said that he felt a, a compulsion to jump from this edge. And we've talked about this before yeah. on another one where you just, uh, that happens where you get up there and all of a sudden it's like you have they, this. There, there's a name for it. It's I called. Oh, what the fuck is that? Suicide? Is that what you're talking No, about? no, there's, there's actually a name for that. Um, for what, having that feeling? Of, yeah, like, there's a name for that feeling and oh I can't boy. think of what it is. I'm going to have to look it up. It's something that you know, you've heard the words. Uh, well, this feeling was, he believed, coming from the young girl. He immediately elected to leave the property and said, fuck that, I'm not buying that shit. Ah, that's probably a good choice. I'm sorry. A little girl looking at me and all of a sudden I feel like I'm going to off myself. I'm good. On hearing what had happened, someone from the local town hall did some research into the building and discovered that a young blind girl had fallen from the cliffs to her death in the 18th century and that several people had reported seeing her at the Castellino since each claiming that they felt a strong will to jump while she looked at them. That is fucking creepy. It's called it's called the call of the void. It's, really? It describes it's the impulse to hurl wanting to hurl yourself like into quote unquote a void. It also has nothing to do with suicide. There's studies on it and shit. Like yeah, this is really? what studies explain the sudden urge to jump from high places, why you feel the urge to jump. Yeah, like it's it's a it's a thing. Yeah. I don't like heights as it is, so I'm not I'm I'm good either way. I don't do the whole heights thing. Yeah, it's called the call of the void. The call of the void. Yeah. Call of the void. Ooh. All right, so let's check out a cemetery now. Shall we? Yes. We shall. Because we like cemeteries. We do like cemeteries. This one is called the Cemetery of Pleasures. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> I'm liking where this is going. No, you're not. Okay. After the city of Lisbon was hit by an outbreak of cholera in 1833, causing thousands of deaths, it was urgent to create a large cemetery for both rich and poor victims. It has the weird name of Cemetery of Pleasures, called after the nearby neighborhood of Prezeres, with the same name. Many of its tombs are big mausoleums, some uh, with the size of small chapels. That's pretty cool. Most of the Prezeres mausoleums, or the Pleasures, Mausoleums belong to rich, old, or important families like the Palmella family. Many of the mausoleums are richly elaborate, have fine sculptures and decorations. They are also st- uh, there are also statues of uh, the deceased. It's like a city in the city for the dead with well-defined lanes. I guess it has 70 different Yeah, I'll have to put pictures of that. Up. I'll have to put pictures of that up too. It's fucking cool looking too. And funerary chapels that were built to look like little houses. The unusual thing about a lot of these graves is that they have little uh, front doors with glass windows through which you can see the caskets and remnants of the dead and their visitors. Most of the trees are a species of cypress, much you, uh, which are used pri- uh, pri- not primarily, but a lot in Portuguese cemeteries. Can you, so it has like a little window where you can like look in and see like the casket or like the, the actual body. Yeah. 
Everything. What? Yeah, like if the like say the casket got degraded or whatever, like you could see remains. Oh boy. Well, so the cemetery is uh, one of the largest in Lisbon. All right. So then, uh, then there's the autopsy room. All right. Let's talk about that part here, which was in the chapel until the morgues were created in 1899. Is one of the curiosities that can be seen, as well as the Sala de Acervo or Acervo, which some of the oldest funeral records can be consulted. This is another way of helping the visitor to interpret the different ways that human beings have had to culturally, socially, and psychologically approach death throughout different times. Well, that's kind of neat. As with many um, famous families and celebrities, another thing that adds to some people thinking there's more going on at this place is the presence of many Freemason symbols. And you know how that gets everyone talking. Yes, sir. At any rate, being a cemetery, you can imagine the tales of haunting surrounding this place. Everything from apparitions being seen wandering the grounds to disembodied voices. People have seen orbs in person and in pictures. And, uh, you know, being able to see into uh, these little houses. And, yeah, yeah, that's that's creepy, dude. It definitely adds to the haunting feeling there. And it's, uh, it's a place we want to go to. That's all I'm saying. I say uh, our next trip is Portugal. Yeah, dude. It yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. Next up, we have Quinta das Conchas. Okay. Sure. The Quinta das Conchas, or the Garden of Shells, in Lisbon is best known for its expansive parkland just to the north of the city center. Families can be found playing here during the warmer months, and countless dog walkers can be seen at any time of the year, which is spooky in itself. <laughs> the house at the heart of the estate, though, um, though, has a darker past, which is lesser known. In the early part of the 20th century, when Portugal was still a colonial power, the owner of the, the estate was a wealthy man called Francisco Montero Bellard. Awesome name again. Mm -hmm. Like many of his countrymen, he was accustomed to having servants who took care of the running of his home. So when he moved into the Quinta, he acquired the services of a slave from uh, Sao Tome and Prince, uh, Principe. <laughs> there was nothing unusual about this at the time. Of course, he's just getting some help in there, right? Other than that, he elected to keep uh, the slave woman in a, uh, a small cage, as one does. You know, I mean, where else are you going to keep them? Yeah, I mean, you know. That was a joke, by the way. Please yeah. don't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. She was made to live like an animal and, according to local myth, subjected to a variety of cruel treatment for several years. People working in the manor house in modern times have reported hearing wailing coming from empty rooms as well as dramatic changes in temperature. Well, it's probably her pissed off being locked in a fucking cage. I can imagine. I'd be pretty upset. Yeah, a little bit. Let's switch it up here and talk a, a little bit uh, about the Portuguese folklore. I love What folklore. do you say? What do you say? Hold on. I mean... I'm going to... You got there. Very nice. Yeah. It's water. I'm drinking my liquid death. Stuff is so damn good. I love it. If you guys haven't tried liquid death, make sure you get your some. All right. So, we're going to talk about the cocoa or coca. You fucking hear that? What? That, what the fuck was that? Did you not hear that? No, you didn't hear that. No, what was it? I don't know. It was weird. It was just like it could. You know what? It might have been like a motorcycle or something. It was just like you're getting sketched out here in your old age. It's just weird. I didn't know what the fuck it was. He's looking around like there's something going to well, pop out. Like and get everything it. I'm hearing is coming through here, so it sounds stupid, anyways. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't hear that. I did not hear it. You're gonna have to go back and listen. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'll go back and listen. When and you re-listen to this, maybe someone listen. is like talking to us. <clears throat> could be. Maybe they're saying. Shut up. <laughs> there are also you many <laughs> There are many oh. other names for this guy, this spook here or gal, including uh Kukoi or Kukoi, yeah, Kuko, Kuka, Kuku or Kukui. 
It is a mythical ghost monster equivalent to the boogeyman found in many uh, Hisp- uh, Hispanophone and Lusophone countries. It can also be considered an Iberian version of a bugbear, as it is commonly used um, a commonly used figure of speech re- uh, representing an irrational or exaggerated fear. What is, what is a bugbear? Keep reading. Okay. A bugbear. Oh, here it is. <laughs> he knew it was coming. A bugbear is described as a legendary creature or type of hobgoblin comparable to the boogeyman and other creatures of folklore, all of which were historically used in some cultures to, of course, frighten disobedient children, which we've. If you listen to last week's Patreon episode, that's pretty yeah. much what every one all of those of them, things yeah, are. Yeah, pretty much. It's like just wanted kids to just behave. So the Kukoi is a male being, while Kuka, Kuka is a female version of the mythical monster. In Spain, Portugal, and Latin America, parents sometimes invoke the Coco or Kuka as a way of discouraging their children from misbehaving. They sing lullabies or tell rhymes warning children that if they don't obey, their parents, El Coco, will come and get them and then eat them. Yeah. That there is yeah. parenting right so there. I, I have to, uh, I, I've actually heard of a version of this because there's a song by a band that Danny really likes, and it's called El Cucuy, which is a version of this. Okay. Yeah. And is it just just a boogeyman that's going to... Yeah, I believe the whole song is in Spanish, so I can't understand it. Oh. The, uh, we need to figure out what one of those things look like. I want to see. There it. is so there's not like the pictures. There's nothing really crazy because they say that it's not about what the thing looks like. Is what it does. It's just what it does or what yeah. it represents. What it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. That's like pretty cool. It, like I saw some pictures and it's just kind of like a like there's like a one picture I saw was like a lady holding her kid and there's like just kind of like this figure like in like a hooded kind of thing in front of her. Like it wasn't like scary, but it was well, kind of creepy. But scary it wasn't for like, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like hey, if you don't eat your green beans, this thing's gonna come and eat you. You know. <laughs> Like Jesus, dude. Well, you know what? I I gotta start doing that with my kids. I'm just gonna I'm gonna threaten them with something like that now. Really? Get the shit out of them. Fuck it. I was told when I was a kid that there was some, um, something living under my bed. See, I do my best to make sure my kids know that there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. But like now, I'm thinking maybe that's not the way to go. Well, I got up all the time. <laughs> my I got up all the time. So my my parents used to tell me that yeah that there's something under my bed. You get out of bed, it's gonna it's gonna get your feet. I'm like what the fuck. You so, guys are dicks. <laughs> continuing, with, uh, continuing on with the mystery surrounding this child scarer, the Coco, or what'd you call it? Uh, it's like El Cucuy. Okay. Also like does... C-U-Y, C-U-Y, or C-U-C-U-Y yeah. or something like that? Yeah, there's another. Yeah, yeah. There, it's got like 15 different yeah, there's a bunch iterations of here. It, depending on where it is. Because there's a lot of like... Uh, it's like I said, there's a version of it from Brazil, which like, remember how I said there's uh, Portugal and Brazil? Aye. Uh, and then... There's a lot of like there's there's a Mexican version and then there's just like throughout the Latin American countries there's there's a bunch of different versions. Okay. So, so uh, I guess for the Portuguese it, it's a dragon that is represented every year in the celebration of Corpus Christi, and which may or may not be true. If it's wrong, blame the internet. Okay, that's yeah. just what I found. Just from what sources say. Correct. Blame the internet. Do we have that? With us a shirt, right? We have that yeah. shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah, I gotta yeah. get that shirt. In Portuguese, Coco. Uh, in Portuguese, Coco refers to a ghost with a pumpkin head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, this shit. So wait a minute. I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's just so many different, different things. Yeah. Hopefully, our Portuguese listeners over there, since you're so fantastic, will tell us what if is you the know actual, what the yeah. the coca or coco or cocoa. They might have grown up like, yeah. hearing the story. Yeah, the maybe tale, you know. Man. Is it a pump? Dude, a pumpkin head would be amazing. Pumpkinhead, the movie, was amazing. Yeah. So the male form is known as coco and the female form as coca. It is said it's hard to tell the difference between the two. 
It seems that parents are One to blame. One boobs. <laughs> boobies. Oh, great. Pumpkin boobs? That's the part my wife's going to Oh, there it in. is. Ah, son of a bitch. Pumpkin boobs. Yeah, pumpkin It's got a boobs. pumpkin head and like little jack-o'-lantern boobs. Get little... Um, what, Maybe it's like squash. What are those little um, pumpkins called? Gourds. <laughs> got little gourds. Gourd boobs. <laughs> Uh, it seems the parents are to blame for the invocation of the cocoa as a oh, way of punishment for bastards. the wayward children. They would sing rhymes warning their children if they do not or did not obey their parents, the cocoa would come and eat them, like we mentioned earlier. So a uh, pumpkin. This is something you actually found on there, like yes. a, a source that actually yeah. said that. Yeah. So a uh, pumpkin-headed goblin. That's cool. Yeah. I'm down. Although the cocoa was a uh, was a ghostly monster, kind of like in appearance. That wasn't the most frightening thing about them. Yeah, see, there you go. That's what it was. Children would be scared out of their wits at the idea of a monster that, of course, could eat them and not leave a trace. Yeah, crazy pumpkin head, no problem. Yeah. But so you're going to eat me, then we got a problem. <laughs> right. So imagine being a child forced <laughs> to sleep with a lullaby of a monster that was coming to devour them. Yes. Yeah, that's not... Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, it, it actually there's says... A little, there's a oh. little... Yeah, there's a little rhyme there for you. Um, sh- Should I do it to it like a melody? No, I don't know. Or you just say, just say it? I guess you just say it. Like, Durmerte, niño, durmerte ya, que viene el cuco e te comera. Yeah. Which means sleep, child, sleep now, or else comes the coco to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing you hear before going to bed, dude. Oh, that is when you're amazing. Like, when you're like five years old, like your mom's like, okay, honey, now it's time for bed. Yeah, ready or for you're going to get eaten. Yeah, and then she says, sleep child, sleep child, or else comes the cocoa to eat you. Kid's just pissing himself. So that's pretty creepy, right? A little bit. All right, so this folktale seems to have many different versions depending on where you look, like you were saying. Yeah. We think that due to the fact that many Latin American countries also use this in folklore as well as there being a, cer- uh, a certain type in Brazil, it's hard to actually put the facts together. Every place we looked about the tale, uh, about this cocoa, had a little bit of a different take. Hopefully, we got it close as you know we possibly could here. Yeah, you know, without disrespecting yeah. anybody here. Yeah, know? yeah, we're not trying to like. Obviously, we don't want to fuck anything up. What was that? Like, the Disney movie was that's Coco, right? Yeah, Coco, that's like a Day of the Dead thing. Yeah, I wonder if there's any kind of like a correlation in any way, shape, or form I don't with know. any uh, probably, with the name. Well, probably not because the grandmother's name was Coco, I believe. I believe the grandmother's name was Coco. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It is good. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a good one. Yeah. On September 4th, 1957, four Portugal Air Force pilots claimed to have seen... Hey, 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 hey. You missed, you missed something. You like missed a whole paragraph. I did? Yeah. Oh. No. No, I didn't. You didn't? No. Did I not put anything in there? Oh, you mean the part where it says, you know what else Portugal has? <laughs> yes, that part. Well... Of course, we could not do the creepy <laughs> without talking about one of Moody's favorite things. Yeah, food. <laughs> oh. Second favorite thing. Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> At least a few. So here's a couple there's of stories couple. here. I found yeah. a couple. So I was na- able to find like three. Yeah, actual alien stories, huh? Yeah. So in 1957, on September 4th, four Portugal Air Force pilots claimed to have seen and chased some UFOs. They took off with their bomber aircraft from the Ota Air Base in Portugal under Captain Jose Lemos Ferreira. <laughs> uh, Captain Jose Lemos Ferreira, right? Under his leadership. The other pilots were Sergeants Alberto Gomez Coves, Salvador, Salvador Alberto Oliveira, and <laughs> Manuel Neves Marcellino. Oh. I'm doing it with like a, an Italian accent, which I don't even mean to do. It's just the names are so like beautiful and poignant. I love it. They're good. When they were heading towards the city of uh, Portugal, uh, Port, uh, Porto Alegre, there it is, Porto Alegre, Captain Fiera uh, noticed a light above the horizon and warned the others. 
The light changed its own size a couple of times, first increasing, then shrinking. After several minutes, the pilots noticed a small yellow circle getting out of the craft. What? And three more circles appeared later. When the UFOs were near Karusha, or Karuch, the, uh, the bigger aircraft climbed out of the earth as the smaller ones disappeared. The bombers landed without any problems, and Captain Ferrer declared, quote, After this, do not come to us with that Venus, weather balloons, aircraft, and similar stuff which have been, uh, been, been being used as general explanations for almost every case of UFOs. He's saying, don't fucking tell me. Yeah, don't come at me with that shit. I know what I fucking saw, you <laughs> Absolutely. Assholes. He's and like... I actually, I want to get more into this and see if I can find more about this. Yeah, you should. Maybe do a bonus or something. Yeah, that'd be great. But he was just straight up like, listen, fuckers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw is what I saw. That's That to me right there is like... It's kind of some vindication he, he there. The dude, like, regardless of what it was, he thinks he fucking saw something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, good on him. So on September 10th, 1990, around 9.30 in the morning, and for about 50 minutes, a oh. small balloon, quote, balloon, was seen hovering towards a small football field on a small village called Alfina in the outskirts of Porto. Which is actually probably a soccer field. I would assume. For you Americans out yes. there. The object was described as, quote, a small turtle with long legs with a metallic shine. I'm trying to Sounds envision. like a balloon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people pr- uh, present got scared and a group of construction workers started throwing stones at it. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> It's a flying turtle. Throw stuff at it. Come on, let's go. And the object hovered back. Uh, it hovered, backed away, leaving the site. Oh, an amateur photographer. Worked. Yeah, apparently, an amateur photographer took several <laughs> pictures of the shape shifting object, and the pictures were considered by several experts as real. And the witness accounts by the simple folks were not considered hoax. <laughs> Have we seen these pictures? I looked for some. I couldn't find any. I'm gonna. I'm gonna okay. keep looking though, because there was a link in that story that said uh, it was like the pictures or whatever, which you can see here. And I clicked on the link, and it was like all fucking weird. It, there was nothing there. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can try to find them. Um, but I also love how the story refers to them as simple folks. <laughs> the simple folks. Simple Jack. Ma 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 ma. Oh my god! I love that movie. That's a I movie. absolutely love that. Did movie. you see? Okay, real quick sidebar. Did you see? Like it was. I think it was last year. I might have posted something about it. That there was like a bunch of young, like the the Gen Z or whatever the new generation is. Yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of them try, trying to cancel Robert Downey Jr. because of that movie. Oh yeah, because they didn't understand what the fucking movie was about. Yeah. Because they, they saw, like they thought he was just doing face just blackface. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I like, saw dude, that. Dude, watch it's, the please watch the fucking movie, like, dude. I'm what are you doing? I'm loving how and total side note here. And well, for us it kind of oh makes sense. God. I'm loving how there's actually starting to be this. Um, like people who aren't comedians or people who aren't in the comedic world or anything like that, they're standing up for it. Like uh, mm-hmm. a freaking, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, Mr. Tesla, Elon Musk. Yeah. He just came out the other day. I guess he's totally like buying Twitter now. Yeah. I yeah. Guess, I guess it's and he's like unbanning it. Trump is what he said. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And whatever. We'll see. Yeah, whatever. I got nothing. Whatever. But he was like, you know, it sucks that, and he's not even from our country. No. But he's like, it sucks that this whole cancel culture is just ruining comedy. And every, know, everything, 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 everything that you, I'm like, and, and I get, I get there's certain things you need to push back against. I totally understand that. Like piece of shit people that are like, you know, sexual assaults and, and absolutely that kind of stuff. That's absolutely. totally different. Like though. fine. But like, yeah, just the other stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, man. you know, we sit here and we make jokes and we, we 
always try not to offend anybody, but the problem is is that someone somewhere is going to get fucking offended. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. And to you, dear listener, who may get offended by what we do, I'm not sorry. I'm not. It's easy to get offended. If your feelings get hurt, guess what? I didn't. You didn't get a stone thrown at you. You didn't get it broken. What, remember back in the day as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones. But words will never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. And they're not hurting you. Calm the fuck down. It's true. You know? And, and everyone listen to this damn show. You guys get it. I was saying, I, I doubt anybody listening right now is just like, these guys are assholes. Yeah. I I'm offended. I can't do this anymore. As Jeff says, get your coloring books, go in your safe space, <laughs> yeah, calm the fuck do. down. If you don't like it, don't fucking listen. No, but I am actually, I'm happy to see that there's like these, you know, bigger figures out there, yeah. bigger figure, um, you know what I'm saying, I, was, more there was, I remember reading something a couple years ago talking about how this whole thing is going to come to a head at some point and it's going to backfire and everyone's going to push back on it and it's just going to go the other way now. And that's kind of where we're headed right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if you guys want to be offended, you should, or if you have um, sensibilities that get offended easily, go back and listen to, like, I don't know, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, George Carlin. Yeah, all those guys. The classic guys who actually built and and developed these new comedians out now, they're not doing anything new now. Mm -hmm. They're not. In fact, I would say, Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, I would say most of them are probably way. Less crass and less. A, lot, I would, a majority of them are, yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? And and it's because they're afraid they're going to get Especially it. Especially anymore. I mean, look at freaking um, Chappelle, dude. Chappelle, dude. I absolutely adore Dave Chappelle. And I love that my father-in-law the funny thing is, the funny is thing now is like, liking Dave got, Chappelle. You've got everyone talking shit about him with like the whole, like the trans jokes and everything. Yeah. You know full well that he's only doing that to piss people off. It, well, yeah. That's it, it. Because A, they're jokes. B, he knows people are going to get offended. Yep. That's it. And guess what? Then you're talking it's, about it's him. It's working. That's it. That's it. So everyone just lighten the fuck up. Anyway, so we anyway, have a, it's back to Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. We have uh, we found this first hand account here. Yes. Does this have to do with the the turtle orb thing? No. Oh. No. 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 This is something different. Oh. Okay. It says quote. My name is Cristina Marta de Pim- uh, ah, Pimental. I'm sorry if I butchered that. I am a reporter. I, it's fine. I'm sure she's listening. It'd <laughs> be great if she was. <laughs> she's like holy shit. Yeah. On New Year's Eve, December 31st of 1997, my husband and I were at a seaside party in Funchal, which is on the south shore of Madeira Island in the Atlantic Ocean, 912 kilometers east of Morocco. Wow, she's specific. Well, she's a reporter, so whatever. We were watching the New Year's festivities, all the fireworks in the sky. Then several people at the party called my attention to a red and motionless light above Funchal. The OVNI suddenly made a very tight circle, returned to its initial position, and a few seconds later, it accelerated at great speed in a vertical direction. We were all quite amazed at the sight. A British couple at the festival videotaped the UFO as it hovered. The next day, I telephoned the uh, Fuerzas Aéreas Portuguese, I guess their headquarters in Lisboa. The Portuguese Air, um, Air Force told me that they'd had no flights, neither planes nor helicopters, and no satellites were over Madeira at that time. Damn. D- any yeah. chance we could see that video? I couldn't find anything. Damn it! I know. I'll keep looking, but I, I couldn't find anything. Damn it. Either. All right. So, yeah. It sounds like there's some uh, alien activity over there. Yeah, there's some. No, there's another some. reason for you to go to Portugal, buddy. I would love nothing more. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Some quick hitters. You guys know how we do this here towards the end, you beautiful bunch of bastards. We're, uh, you know, we do our little itty-bitty ones at the end. Yep, yep. So, Quinta da, Quinta da Policia Aguerda. Okay. God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to send a, a letter to the country of Portugal. Like, we are so sorry. <laughs> on behalf of the Midnight Train Podcast. <laughs> they're just, they're just like, what? 
Yeah. The fuck? Just throw it out. Yeah. Just, who the fuck is this? So not far from the center of, of Agueda, Quinta de Policia sits in the middle of um, a large unkept plot of land surrounded by a wrought iron fence. Sounds awesome so far. It is the classic image of what Hollywood haunted houses look like or should look like. It was inhabited by the uh, Agadines, Agadins, uh, Ag- Agadins family, Agah, who had moved to Brazil in, late, uh, in the late 1800s, but returned in the early 1900s, naming the home after the city of Sao Paulo. Much of the family succumbed to the influenza pandemic in 1918, with the exception of Nica, um, Nica Carnero. Ah. He was a patron of the community's sports and cultural programs, but died childless at the age of 37. Aw, that's sad. Why are you putting this one in here? This is a bummer one, dude. The home I has... Mean, usually that's what breeds yeah, ooh, yeah. things and crazy shit, my friend. The home has sat vacant for uh, ever since due to legal constraints with the family back in Brazil. Although not certified as haunted, there are many reports of supernatural encounters at Quinta de, de Policia. Um, policia. Some have heard the uh, the neighing of horses where the stables once stood. That's frightening in itself. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Others have been frightened by the sound of a shotgun blast or a ge- what? Or a gentle pulling on hair. Ugh, don't like that either. A worker in the garden suddenly experienced such an intense headache that he fled and never returned. Oh my! Whether haunted or not, this beautiful home has many stories to tell. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. A lo- also, <clears throat> these these buildings, most of these buildings, are fucking phenomenal looking. They're just so crazy looking, dude. They're so cool. Well, they've been around for a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is the mines of Sao Pedro de Cova in Gundamar. Okay, the village of Sao Pedro de Cova was largely uh, an agricultural community until the discovery of coal in ni- uh, 1802. The exhausting and dangerous industry of mining soon took over. Several generations of miners worked here until low oil prices forced the mines to shut down in the 1970s. All that's left of the mines are these ruins. Neighbors say spirits of the miners protect the ruins and the mine shafts. Others claim to hear screaming from inside the deep holes. Which one is this? Oh, boy. This is the mines of Sao Pedro okay. de Cova. Okay. So, could you imagine? You're just out yeah. and about, and all of a sudden you walk by, like, a mine shaft. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. I'm gone. So, the next one here is Termas de Agua Radium in Sortela. <sighs> Legend has it that this beautiful structure in the Garda district was built by Spanish Count Don Rodrigo after learning that the natural healing waters might cure his daughter's skin disease. News of the waters quickly spread. In the 1920s, the site became a restorative spa known as the Hotel Serra de Pina. In actuality, the waters were radioactive. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oops. Oh, boy. Seeping from a uranium mine not far away. Radioactivity was all the rage in the 20s and 30s, so the site bottled the spring water and sold it under the name radium water. They're selling radioactive water? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Of course, after radioactivity was studied further in the 40s, it became apparent that the healing qualities of radium water actually carried the opposite effect. Imagine, imagine the people that own that company. They're just like, oh, hey, look, a new study about radium. <laughs> ah, shit. Um... I'm going to go ahead and say we need to recall this stuff. (laughs) Immediately. uh, We're just going to shut down. Yeah. Or just move. Let's just go. We need to figure this out. So the hotel went out of business in the 50s and has been abandoned ever since. It is said the site is haunted by the many people who drank from the contaminated spring. I betcha. Yep. I betcha. Oh, boy. And then uh, next one here is uh, Santorio de Serra de Estela near Covila. Yeah, that's. I'm actually looking at that one right now. Yeah. Look at that shit. 
Oh, it's just like, it's it looks like, like ruins old ruins, yeah. yeah. So this massive structure was built in 1936 by Portugal's railway department as a treatment facility for its employees suffering from, guess what? Tuberculosis! <laughs> the building was later leased to the Portuguese Society of Sanatoriums on condition of receiving all patients needing treatment. However, it was closed in the 1980s and left to, to deteriorate for decades to come. Rumors circulate that it is haunted by its many former patients. It's a, it's a fucking big-ass building, too, though. Yeah, it's, you, we'll post that up, too, right? Yeah, look at yeah. this fucker. So that picture I showed you is like the like the outside of it. That's the fucking building, though. What? Yeah. It looks it looks like uh, the fucking uh, Stanley Hotel. Yes, that's what yeah. it looks like. It looks like the Stanley Hotel. Yep, it's in the, the mountains and shit. The sanatorio has now been refurbished and transformed into the luxurious new Poseida Serra de Estrella, which is probably a hotel, I would assume. Yeah, that's right. what it is. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool looking. Yeah. Next up, we have the Quinta de Juncosa. Oh. In. Penifel Rios de Monijos. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> I am so stupid. So the old farmhouse was home to the Baron of Lagos and his family. The Baron was very jealous and suspected his wife of infidelities. How dare she? Which one is... Okay, this is... Oh, yeah. Look, look at this fucker. This is... Uh, wait, is this the one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Look at that fucking one. No, that's epic. That's sweet. That's the one you're talking about right now. Yeah. I would buy that house. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I'd be divorced, but I would buy that house. It's so cool yeah. looking. Legends have it, the Baron tied his wife to a horse and dragged her around the farm until she died. Because she was cheating on him. Yeah. Supposedly. 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 <laughs> After discovering his wife was innocent, the Baron killed his children and then committed suicide. They say the Baron's guilt keeps him uh, from resting in peace. Ghosts of the Baron and his wife are said to be seen around the property. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So we did this uh, uh, this episode here in honor of our Portuguese listeners who have you know kept us in the top 10 in Portugal for quite some time. We thank you guys so much for that, but we have one request for you. Yes, we do. In every creepy episode so far until this one, we found, again, what we talked about earlier, a haunted bridge. <laughs> Texas was chock full of them. Oh, yeah. There was like 500 of them. Right. In all of Moody's uh, searching, the you know, the, the recesses of the internet here. I tried so He could hard. not find a single reference to a haunted bridge in Portugal. So we need our Portuguese listeners to hit us up and let us know any stories about haunted bridges. It was tough to find a ton of information on a lot of these places. So hopefully, you know, we did these things right. And we, we did you proud, even though I butchered your language horribly. <laughs> if we made any mistakes or got them wrong, you guys know what to do. You blame the internet. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? Uh, today. <laughs> oh man, I'm always I'll love that forever. I'm never <laughs> going to change that. I was thinking about updating the uh, the drink pop. Yeah. Yeah. And like maybe update that, but I'll never change that. Uh, that'll be there forever. So anyway, oh, yeah, we're talking about yeah. today on our movies. We're um, going to IndieWire.com and we're talking about the 10 best body horror movies ever made. Yep. Yep. All right. Body horror. So like body, body dysmorphia There's, kind uh, of stuff or uh, just, you know, yeah, you'll see. Okay. It's, you know, shit that has to do with your body. It's creepy and gross. And so it doesn't seem like they're actually ranked. So we'll just talk about them here. Um, the first one here. Oh God, I love this movie so much. The thing. Yes. Oh, you guys love the thing, right? So body horror movies might make up one of cinema's more disgusting. Oh, wait, no, you, you didn't get to the list yet. Oh, I didn't get, oh. <laughs> the, the picture was just of the thing, but the actual first movie is not the thing. Oh, it's not? No, not on the list anyways. 
It's oh. on, I think it's on the list, but it's not. Oh, never mind. Yeah, it's down go. here. Oh, yeah. so it's Eraserhead's the number one on the yeah. list. Okay. Which is or fucking, first on the list. Which is fucking phenomenal. Eraserhead's pretty cool. David Lynch, 1978. David Lynch, total crazy person. Like, just insane. So David Lynch's 1977 featured uh, directorial debut, Eraserhead, begins with a giant sperm cell-looking creature emerging from a floating head and ends with a father mutilating his child's organs. And just like that, the mythic status of David Lynch was born. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lynch's script, a more experimental approach to the body horror genre as we know it today, is said to have been inspired by his daughter's own birth deformity. Didn't know about that. I didn't know about that either. And the pain Lynch experienced while being forced to sit through corrective surgeries. Oh, that's sad. You guys got to see that one. It's it's a total. If you haven't seen it, yeah, yeah it's, it's a totally yeah, nuts. It's, yeah, it's weird. Uh, this next one is uh, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. I want to see this dude. Which is uh, like a producer is Shinya uh, Tsukamoto mm-hmm. from 1989. Yeah, sure. Any movie that begins with a man cutting open his thigh in order to shove a metal rod inside is bound to be one of the most disgusting body horror films ever made, and such is the case with Tetsuo, the Iron Man. And that says nothing of the next moment in which the wound becomes infected with, sorry if you're eating, maggots. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's that one. Yep. That sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, boy. Next up, uh, oh, I've seen this one. (laughs) Teeth. Yes, I've seen this one as well. (laughs) Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. (laughs) From 2007. says, Mitchell Lichtenstein's Lichtenstein. (laughs) Lichtenstein. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Frankenstein anyway sorry <laughs> it's 2007 horror movie Teeth became an instant cult favorite when it debuted in this at the Sundance Film Festi- Festival <laughs> where breakthrough actress Jess, uh, Jess Wexler was honored by the grand jury prize for acting Wexler stars as Don O'Keefe a teenager whose life as a virginal Christian abstinence group member is known or thrown into disarray when she discovers that yeah her vagina has teeth not a joke at all. It is um, interesting, yeah, to say the least. Fucking awesome. It is definitely interesting. If you haven't seen that one, now we want, of course, we want to know if you guys have seen any of these movies. But that one is, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's <laughs> kooky to say the least. There's uh, definitely something going yeah, on there. There's kooky. Next on the list is Videodrome, another amazing yes. movie. Another one by Dave. Oh, this one's by David Cronenberg. That's so he's the reason that I I did this list because he's got a new one coming out with um. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, Bill, Tom, Steve, George, Harry. Henry! It's Henry! <laughs> not Henry. <laughs> Fucking, uh, dude. Uh... <laughs> All right, you think about it, and I'll come back to you. So David Cronenberg's... Why can I think of his guy? I don't know. Now. His mastery of the body horror genre continued in 1983 with Videodrome, a cult classic that embraces body horror thrills as much as it studies them. Cronenberg cast James Wood... Or Woods, sorry, as Max Wren, the president of Toronto Canada television station, who becomes convinced that a new show called Videodrome can revitalize the company. The show is a body horror program with Cronenberg's body horror movie centered around the brutal torture and murder of random victims inside a red room. Yeah, the movie is a messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely uh, check that one out. And like I said, he did so many good fucking movies, man. Oh, here's another one that's gross Slither. Next oh, one on the list is Slither. One. James Gunn, and you probably know that name because, well, he's kind of all over the place now, started making a name for himself as the screenwriter of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> but it's with his 2006 directorial debut, Slither, that he emerged as one of the freshest new voices in Hollywood. 
Slither combines the alien invasion genre with body horror to tell the story of a small town in South Carolina that gets invaded by parasitic aliens, and it's gross. <laughs> There's some gross yeah. parts to that one. So, so Cronenberger's got a new movie out. That's why I was talking about it's uh It's called Crimes of the Future. Okay. I don't know if you've heard about it or not. Um, it's fucking uh, it's uh, Viggo Mortensen. I couldn't think of his name. That's who it is. Okay. He's in it. Nice. And uh, it looks really- Oh, wait. Really I have seen- I've, Who else is in that? Kristen Stewart's in yes, it. Yes. I, I saw- It looks really fucked it up. It looks weird. Yeah. It looks really weird. Yeah. So next on our list is one of my all-time favorite movies, The Fly from 1986. Oh. Another Cronenberg. Yeah, dude. Yep. He's, he's all about the body horror. Yep. The perfect marriage of body horror and monster movie, David Cronenberg's seminal 1986 Freakout stars Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum as a man who becomes his own monster, care of an ill-fated uh, dalliance with teleportation. Yeah, you should always make sure there's no flies when you're teleporter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be, uh, you know. Your first thing you should check. Yeah. yeah, you know, just you get in there, you look around, you say, okay, is there anyone? Right. Anything in there? There's an first Ooh, there's an ant. Got to get rid of the ant. Yeah. You know, you don't want to. Right. <laughs> well, anybody, body horror features inevitably moves into the monstrous taking root in people. The fly, uh, Ably, or Abley, pushes Goldblum's once intrepid Seth Brundle into a space where he's uh, so unrecognizable as a human being, he's the Brundle fly at that point, that it can count as both uh, both subgenres. And yeah, this movie is is amazing. And it's a remake from like one from the 50s. Yeah, it's an older one. It's gross. Yeah, it's Let's be honest. That in it's part, gross, dude. Yeah, that in part. The, the, the eating. Yeah, it's gross. For, yeah, it's gross. It's so good, though. Yeah, oh, it's so great. Good. It's great. I, I'll watch that over and over again. Gina um, Davis, right? She was in that? Yeah. She's the girl. Yeah, Gina yeah. Davis. Yeah. So next up is Raw. I have not seen this one. I've heard of this. I haven't seen it, though. It's one of the ones. It's on one. Of, it's on my list of okay. things to see. Female sexuality carries the same taboo as a ravenous flesh-eating teenager in this provocative feature debut from French filmmaker Julia Ducarneau. Oh. oh. <laughs> her name is Ducarneau. I know her. Do you? No. Oh. Raw may start out like any other coming-of-age tale, but as soon as Justine gets her first oh. taste of meat, she's transformed from good girl to social outcast, rejected by society for her carnal desires. In this process, De Carnot tears down the walls of a genre so uh, so often identified with male film- filmmakers, like the father of you know body horror, David Cronenberg, that we've yep. mentioned like 16 times now, yeah, yeah. shrewdly using the art horror format to uh, upend the traditional teen... Oh... Bilden, Bilden's Roman Raw makes it impossible to look away as much as you may want to, is what it says. And right. So it's basically a girl that just starts becoming like ultra carnivorous. Something like that. Mm. Yeah, basically. All right, then we have Reanimator, oh, which is... One of my fucking favorites, yeah, dude. It's got Jeffrey Combs, right? Yeah, yeah. it's so good. Based on H.P. Lovecraft's 1922 short story, Herbert West Reanimator, Stuart Gordon's enduring, campy, gore-fest classic is one of the beloved horror movies ever for a good reason. Imagine Romero's Night of the Living Dead, directed by the staff of Mad Magazine. That's pretty much what it is. It's so that's, quirky. That's a pretty, good, uh, yeah. that's a pretty good... Uh, it's so quirky yeah. and weird. When medical student Dan Kane advertises for a roommate, he finds one uh, in the form of Herbert West. Initially a little eccentric, it soon becomes clear that West entertains some seriously outlandish theories, specifically about reanimating the dead. It's not long before Dan finds himself under West's influence and embroiled in a series of ghoulish experiments that threaten to get out of hand. It's a great movie. Oh, it's so good. I want to know if you guys have seen that it's one. It's fantastic. This is the one I mentioned earlier that I, and it's the last, uh, no, it's not the last on the list, uh, but this is the one I started talking about. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Thing. 
Oh yeah, John oh, Carpenter, yeah. 1982, the, fantastic movie. The fucking effects, man, because they're the practical. There was no CGI, right? And it was just fucking amazing. It was awesome. Dude. And to be honest, I'm not even going to go into it because if you haven't seen it. There's you know some what? gross parts, man. We can't be friends. Where his fucking head comes off and it turns into the spider, dude. Yeah, it's so uh, good. God, it's so awesome. Anyway, uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Fuckers. <laughs> anyway, next one is uh, The Broad. Or The Brood. <laughs> I, <laughs> I misread that one. Wow. <laughs> the Broad. Wow. <laughs> wow. Did you say The Broad or The Brood? Which one was it? Here I am trying to determine: Are we talking about broads, or are we uh, talking about broods? The broods. <laughs> so the brood again from David Cronenberg, 1979. The big reveal in the Canadian a tour's breakout movie, The Brood, is Samantha Egger uh, lifting her white drape to show Art Hendel the multiple babies growing from her torso, opening the biggest sack to lick the blood off her newborn. Following Rabbit and Shivers, the brood signaled the arrival of a cerebral filmmaker with icky ideas about the hazards of science from armpits with sex organs, oh boy, and veined penis-shaped parasites with Whoa. ears and mouths crawling in and out of body cavities Whoa. to psychoplasmic hives that become humans born out of anger and forming an army. I have never watched this one. I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. Yeah. So those... Where the movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen, I got to say thanks to Portugal. Thank you yeah. to all you guys, seriously. And uh, make sure you also stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet. Super sweet. There it is. Merchandise. Um, and also, whenever you're ready, I have a joke for today. Too. Okay. Ooh, do you want to do but it now? No, go okay, ahead. Okay. So, of course, you know, we're going to have all, we have all kinds of merchandise up there now. You can get all kinds of cool stuff like, you know. Don't blame us. Blame, blame the, internet. the internet. Blame yeah. the internet. That's up there. And then the America's second favorite podcast <laughs> that will be up very soon. I've been extremely Dude, that is busy. Marketing. It, I'm, I'm telling you, because we are. You know what? People are going to see them be like, "America's second. Uh, okay, well, I got to check it out then." Right. Like, but why would they not think they're the first? But then you know what's going to immediately happen? Who's the first? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, well, what that, gonna, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the first is. So we're actually helping them out. It doesn't matter who the first is. That's right. Is. Right. It, it, that's right. So anyway, go buy some merch. Be cool. We actually um, have had yeah. some a lot of uh, merch orders coming lately. So people have been oh, yeah? buying up the merchandise. Nice, man. Yeah, so thank you for doing that. That's, that's awesome. Good. Represent. Represent. Right. And while you're over at our official website, make sure you check out our sponsors. Sponsors. Dr. Squatch Soap, of course. Amazing. My new subscription's coming in this week. Yeah, I, I got to change. I got to change mine up a little. I got to get some new stuff. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to, so I'm just going to grab it. What I got was great. So I I'll mean, just yeah, take it. I, that's the thing. It's like, I like what I have. So if I don't change it, I'm still yeah. cool with it either way. That soap is amazing. It's awesome. Try it. Tell us you love it because you will get 20% off yeah, your first subscription. Just go over to our website, click on sponsors, click on that banner, and then get the best damn soap. And you know what? Stop smelling like shit. Right. Smell good for once. Yeah, God damn the, it. The people you hang out with, they don't want to. They don't want to smell they you. They don't want to smell you. They just want to enjoy your company. Right, right. So listen, if you like what you've heard from us, and we hope you did, did, did consider, being, you, did. consider being, what is it? Ambograph. A manograph, that's what it was. Anatomograph. Am, a man, it was, anatomograph. 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 Animatograph. That's what it was. Oh my God, I just want a shirt that has that on it, and all it's going to say below it is, say this word. <laughs> An- animatograph. An- animatograph. If you like what you've heard from us, 
be, uh, uh, just consider becoming a producer of the show by heading over to the midnight train podcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or at patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast for as little as five bucks a month. You can get all kinds of cool stuff, custom shirts, yeah. custom whatever. I mean, it's the bonuses, man. And it's, they're so much fun and they're great. What? What are you laughing about? Nothing, no. nothing. What are you laughing about? Oh, the joke. The, no, you're, are no, you laughing no, about no, the joke? No, not the joke. The joke's funny. Oh, okay. No, I mean, you're going to hate it because it's stupid, but. Do you want to tell the joke? That's not what I'm laughing Do you want to tell the joke now? Uh, you finish up what you're doing. Oh, okay. So don't forget to follow us on all our socials. That's uh, <laughs> over Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, Spotify. Over there, you can rate us, which is I awesome. I feel like we need a bigger TikTok presence. We do. We definitely need a bigger TikTok yeah. presence. And once I find the time. We'll, we'll definitely make it happen. We have all kinds of time. Oh, do, do we? Between the two of us, we have nothing but time. <laughs> you mean you have time and I have none? Yeah, no, I don't, no, I don't, I don't have any time either. Yeah, then what the fuck are you talking it about? It was a joke. Oh. That wasn't the joke, by the way. Oh, that's not the joke? No, that's oh, not the joke. Okay. So, yeah, make sure you follow us on all our socials and stuff. And uh, listen, of course. All right. Um, I just want to say a huge, 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 huge thank you. For all the love and support from our specifically amazing passengers, a.k.a. the Patreon poopers. I mean, you're all, you're all amazing. <laughs> to Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, Stacey Laconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janice Sherrill, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox Podcast, Christina Skelton, and Jessica Bartolome from the Sister Skelton Podcast. Make sure you check them out. Uh, And I want to say to those lovely ladies, thank you for giving um, uh, my other podcast, um, Icons and Outlaws, a shout-out the other day. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, good for them. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that. Make sure you're checking them out. They are awesome. Uh, to Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabenick, and of course, our boy, Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. Woo. It's, it's, yeah. it's getting good. I like that yeah. little bellow in there. So, yes, right. if you want your name to be heard on the show, just become a Patreon. Not just become. It's a huge deal to us. It is. A, it's Please gigantic. become a, 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 a Patreon producer. Help fund us. Help us get more and more listeners. Help us get out of this basement. Help me not feel so sad every... I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Are you... Yeah, tell us your joke. Go ahead. Are tell you us good? your joke. Yeah, yeah, tell us your joke. Are you sure? No. This might make you more sad. <laughs> this joke might make you more sad. No, go ahead. All right, here's the joke. Oh, all see, right. I need a. <laughs> all right, here Didn't it is. Didn't we have? We had that. We did. Wait, why'd you get rid of all the good I, stuff? I don't know. You're a dick. I know. All right, so this lady, this lady is sitting there with her husband. She looks out the window and she says, Honey, there's, there's moose falling from the sky. And he looks out the window and he looks at her and he says, It's rain, dear. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. That was do good. you get it? Yeah, I get it. Right, right <laughs> do, you, do you get it? <laughs> There's nothing worse when someone doesn't get it and you have to explain the joke. That is the worst. Oh, God. So, anyway, yeah, thank rain, you rain. so much for 100,000 downloads. Yeah. For three years coming up, for everything yeah. you guys do for us, it is awesome. And we're going to do something cool for all our... The, uh, all the dick pics you guys have sent us. <laughs> Those are all get sent to Moody, by the way. Um, I, I, I plan on doing something cool for our three-year anniversary. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. 
I think it'd be cool. We okay. Sh- we, we're we're going to do something cool. We I, are? I have an idea. Okay. Anyway, anyway stay safe out there, passengers. Yeah. And as do always. That. Do that, please. <laughs> yeah. Choo-choo, <laughs> motherfuckers! I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. Reindeer. And, and a manogram. <laughs> <laughs>